I'm AJ Bianco from Podcast PD, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows in the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, welcome back. Steve here. And today I'm talking with Lorraine M. Radiz, PhD. She is the pre-K through 12 director of literacy in Long Beach schools in New York. She also is the author of Leading a Culture of Reading, How to Ignite and Sustain a Love of Literacy in Your School Community. Oh, what a powerful book. You're going to love this book. You're going to want to go out and buy it right now. And uh, yeah, this is just an incredible conversation. So uh, uh, get ready and thanks for joining us. And oh, 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 by the way, before you go, it'd be so cool if you went to my website, stephenmaletto.com slash reviews and uh, left a review. You know, uh, say a few nice words as well as there's a few other ways you could help out the podcast. One would be, you know, on that front page, you could uh, um, go out there and you'll see a little box where you can put in your email address. And then uh, as soon as I start writing uh, uh, newsletters, you'll start receiving those. Also, uh, another way you could do that is on that front page, there's a little link that says, buy me a cup of coffee. You click on that and donate a dollar or two. Help me out with some of my, uh, uh, some of the fees that I have to pay as well as maybe, uh, you know, help me upgrade my equipment. That would be cool. And then a final way that you can help the podcast is simply by telling a friend, a colleague, a family member about the podcast and, and giving them the link so they could uh, follow it and listen as well. That'd be so cool. You are awesome. Enjoy the show. And the reason why I started the book this way is because I really want readers to understand that teaching and working with kids is, you know, at the heart of literacy work. And even if you're not in the classroom every day, you still can find a role, you know, within that space to do that work. Um, and, you know, I, I think literacy is all about community and, and valuing people. And I, I wanted readers to get to know me a little bit as a person, because as they read the book, I, I hope that they develop a relationship with the way that I think, um, the way that I write. So it was, it was a way for people, you know, hopefully to build some connection to me. It's the education podcast, your favorite show, with lots of groovy guests and they share what they know. So crank it up to 10 and let your neighbors know that here's another show with Dr. Steve Leto. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Ah, ah, with Dr. Steve Leto. Lorraine Radiz, Ph.D., is the Pre-K-12 through 12 Director of Literacy in Long Beach Public Schools in New York. There, she leads curricular improvement and facilitates professional learning experiences for teachers. Dr. Radiz leads teams to develop literacy curricula, monitor student engagement and progress, bridge literacy experiences between the school and community, and consistently build a culture that promotes and celebrates reading and literacy. Dr. Radice also teaches professional development courses for teachers that align with district goals. Prior to becoming a school leader, Dr. Radice was an English teacher and literacy specialist. She also taught in programs to support language acquisition for elementary, middle, and high school students learning English. Dr. Radice teaches undergraduate and graduate courses in childhood education and literacy at Hofstra University in New York. Dr. Radice is a member of the National Council of Teachers of English and presents at its national conferences. Her writing has been featured on the NCTE blog. Dr. Radice is also a member of the International Literacy Association and has published in ILA's Literacy Today. Dr. Radice is committed to sharing in professional learning communities at the local, state, and national levels where she presents her research and fieldwork. Dr. Radice's research on digital literacies in middle-level classrooms was published in Curriculum, Instruction, and Assessment, Intersecting New Needs and New Approaches, a volume in the Handbook of Research in Middle-Level Education. Student work from Dr. Radice's teams has also been featured in ASCD's Educational Leadership Magazine. Dr. Radice earned a bachelor's degree in childhood education and psychology and a master's degree in literacy studies at Hofstra University. She earned an advanced certificate in teaching English to speakers of other languages from St. John's University. Dr. Radice also earned an advanced certificate in educational leadership and a doctorate in philosophy in literacy studies at Hofstra University. Our focus today is Lorraine's book, Leading a Culture of Reading, How to Ignite and Sustain a Love of Literacy in Your School Community. Lorraine, welcome to the show. Say hi to everybody. Hi, everyone. And Steve, thank you so much for having me this afternoon. Really excited to chat with you and share a little bit about my work. 
Well, it's awesome to have you here, and uh, you got good stuff going on. And uh, you know, one of the things I gotta before I go anywhere, I gotta uh, all the stuff you do. Uh, you know, one of the things you're doing right now is you're you're teaching adults. So tell me what you like about doing that. Sure, I've always loved um, working with adults, even when I was still working with students on a daily basis as a, a classroom teacher. Um, when I was still a literacy teacher in the classroom. I taught professional development classes to colleagues in my school district through our in-service course program um, and eventually began teaching at the college level while I was still in the classroom. And the reason why I love it so much is because I view teaching and supporting adults um, as a pathway to teach and support kids still. Um, I think that adults in schools need to be cared for and valued and professionally developed, um, you know, similar to the ways that we support kids in schools. Um, I think it, it really is beneficial to school communities when adults are still supported in their continuation of learning um, so that they can reflect and be prepared and energized and motivated to work with kids. I think naturally when we learn new things as adults, we feel excited to share them with others. Um, so as a person who um, tries to facilitate, you know, valuable professional learning for adults. It's it's always the greatest joy when someone comes back to me and says, hey, I tried this, you know, in my class the next day, or I can't wait to read this book with my kids, um, because that's the mark of um, success in, in my eyes. Um, so the fact that I get to work with adults in uh, my school district and other school districts as a professional developer and at the college level, um, keeps me connected to classroom practices as well. I'm, I'm always thinking as a teacher still, uh, even though I am, you know, an administrator in my, my primary job. Um, but I think staying grounded as a teacher is really what fuels my, you know, my leadership as an administrator. Um, I appreciate the reflective conversations that I get to have with adults when I work with them and figuring out, you know, the best ways to support the students that teachers have. I think sometimes teaching is like a puzzle, um, and I love to work with others, you know, to figure out pathways within that puzzle to do what's best for kids in in their literacy lives. Very cool. I, you know, I had to say this because one of the things, so uh, I, I remember when I first left the classroom to go, and I'm going to let you talk a little bit more about this in just a second, but it, um, when I went to become an, an administrator and an assistant principal in the high school where I was teaching, and uh, that was uh, that was fascinating because just really missed the the kids, but now I'm in a different role and, and I'm quickly becoming the bad guy, <laughs> whereas oh, no. before I was you know the good guy type thing, and right, and right. Uh, and then later uh, down the road when uh, um, everything's, you know, once I become a principal and stuff like this, you get a little further, but it, it's just, it's just an interesting thing. But as you start in my world today, I'm more focused on, I, I'm focused on teaching adults. And uh, it's, it's interesting because uh, of just all the stuff you're talking about. It's just interesting how, you know, we have these experiences with, uh, um, you know, those activities as we move on and so forth. But there's, there's just excitement about it as people get it, whether, no matter what age they are. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. And I, I feel fortunate that I do work in a place where my leadership, you know, knows how important it is for me to stay connected to, to teachers and, and my administrator colleagues and um, do a lot of, you know, I guess coaching work in school, PD work in school, whether I'm sitting with a grade level, you know, of two or three teachers or in a little bit of a larger forum, like a faculty meeting, you know, of 20. Um, I really try to center my leadership work around um, what truly happens in the classroom. Um, I think that is meaningful for others, and I try to be a resource and a partner, a thinking partner to all my colleagues, and that's, um, that is a very strong value that I have as, as an administrator, so, and I feel fortunate enough that I'm able to, to work in that way. That's so cool. So good stuff. Uh, all right. So our focus today is your book, Leading a Culture of Reading, How to Ignite and Sustain a Love of Literacy in Your School Community. So why'd you write this book? I wrote this book because I really believe that literacy communities are necessary in schools. Um, you know, the book is, is specific to how to create a culture that prioritizes and celebrates reading 
um, you know, reading is important to how we develop as human beings and make meaning in the world. And I wanted to share a practical resource um, of the work that I've done with teams over the past several years um, and want others to prioritize literacy in their schools um, in the way that our teams have done, because I think that it benefits culture and community in a way that's really special. Um, when my superintendent um, became the superintendent in the school district, again, I'm very fortunate enough to work for her because one of her first priorities as a, a new superintendent was to prioritize reading um, and to really motivate students to find authentic purpose and a love for reading. And one of the ways that she envisioned doing that is to create a district-wide culture where all people celebrated and prioritized reading so that students would develop as readers in their ability, but also in their love for reading and in the ways that they had access to high quality, authentic texts that they can make choices about um, and really put their reading identities and their learning identities in the center of, of how they existed in school. So when I interviewed for the position as a um, literacy leader, her one of her questions that she asked me was, what are some ways that you can build a culture of literacy in our district? And, you know, I saw that as an opportunity to bring some of my instructional and cultural practices from my own classroom, because I was teaching at the time, to a larger community across the district. And as I began to get feedback from teams that I work with of teachers and administrators and parents in the district, just about how the culture was beginning to transform through the work that we were doing, and how kids were going home and talking about reading and how access to books and high quality texts was increasing. And just, you know, overall people's attitudes and feelings toward uh, motivating students to find themselves as readers. I wanted to, you know, marry one of my ultimate professional goals, which was to write a book to actual work that was happening, you know, in my school community. Um, and writing the book was uh, obviously time consuming and, and challenging, but also very invigorating because I was writing about work that I've done with teams. Um, everything in the book has been carried out to fruition. So it was just a matter of putting it together in a systematic way um, and in a very practical way, because I know educators are busy. Um, they want resources that are um, available and accessible so that they can take those resources and maybe implement them into their own their own work. Um, so that that's really why I wrote the book to be helpful to others, to celebrate the importance of reading and literacy, and to provide resources. Um, and the book is written in a way where you can read it front to back, or you can jump into one chapter if that's a, a goal or priority of the team and use the resources and, and the advice that's there. Um, so that, that's why I wrote the book. Awesome. And, uh, you know, so what goes right along with that question is, so who's your target audience? Who, who are you really writing for? Yeah, so while I was writing, I was really kind of going back and forth between teacher and, and administrator or, you know, someone in a maybe department chair position I think that every adult has the ability to be a literacy leader. So I'm very careful about how I use that word um, leader because we all could lead for kids. But in the book, you know, everything that is presented is presented in a way that could be applicable in the classroom if you're teaching every day um, or um, from a, maybe a more universal or global perspective, if you are a building principal, if you are at the central office level, if you're a district level leader, a coach, a department chair. So really anybody who's working within the capacity to influence a child's reading life um, can find a strategy or or more um, within the book. Very cool. Very cool. They, all right. So let's, let's delve into the book. In your introduction, I have to point out your first sentence. Now, by the way, I'm somebody who used to skip through introductions and uh, somewhere when I was in my graduate work, uh, I learned not to do that, and uh, and so I don't anymore. And so it's become part of what I do no matter what with a book now. I don't see it as work. I say maybe there's 
probably some cool stuff in the introductions. And in yours, there definitely is a lot of cool stuff. And But I have to pull out this, this sentence, um, which is your first sentence. It says this, the year I became a school district leader, I cried most days. I was a classroom teacher in mourning. Could you talk about this? Sure. Um, that's probably my favorite line of the book, to be honest. Nice, because nice. That, that is me. And I, and I so appreciate that you you pointed that out. Um, it's a line that, you know, I, I put onto the page and I read it several times and there were different versions of it. And um, it's it's so important because it's the first thing that people read and, you know, maybe hear my voice in their head um, as they're reading, especially, you know, if they know me. Um, but that really is the truth. Becoming a school administrator was one of the hardest transitions um, that I've ever made in my life. Um, I, you know, just to be frank, I, I wasn't always set on becoming a school administrator. I wanted to be a teacher. I love teaching. I tell people to this day that I had the best job in the world as a sixth grade English teacher. Um, I was, I, you know, I mentioned I was teaching at the college level at that time and working with teachers in other capacities. So I had that experience. Um, but, you know, things happen in life and you make changes and becoming a school leader was a change that I made, but it was really hard. Um, you know, I missed my colleagues that I worked with. Um, I missed working with kids every day. And um, being in the classroom was part of what fueled me as an educator and as somebody who is really passionate about literacy. And I had to find, you know, a new identity while still keeping my identity as a teacher. And, and that took some, some time. And the reason why I started the book this way is because I really want readers to understand that um, teaching and working with kids is you know, at the heart of literacy work. And even if you're not in the classroom every day, you still can find a role you know, within that space to do that work. Um, and, you know, I, I think literacy is all about community and, and valuing people. And I, I wanted readers to get to know me a little bit as a person, because as they read the book, I, I hope that they develop a relationship with the way that I think, um, the way that I write. So it was, it was a way for people, you know, hopefully to build some connection to me as the author of the book and for them to understand a little bit about um, how I was feeling, you know, when I started this work, because it's not not always easy. Um, and you mentioned, you know, the introduction. The introduction was actually the last part of the book that I wrote. And the whole book was written, you know, uh, it was there. And it was actually the hardest part for me. Uh, I actually called one of my colleagues who I, you know, work with and speak to frequently. And she's very connected to my, you know, my work as a literacy leader and the work we do in the district. And I said to her, can you tell me what, like, what I do? <laughs> you know, can, can you, can you help me here? Um, just, just what do you see as a parent, as a, a person who works in the district? And I just couldn't find, you know, the words to, to kind of universally sum up the book. But once I got started, you know, I started to roll, but it, it's interesting what you said about the introduction. <laughs> Oh, that's cool. The uh, and I, and I have to tell you, all they got to do is read that first line. And if you are an educator who has done more than be in a classroom with with the kids for you know, if you've done that for thirty years, not say anything wrong with that. That's not my point. But if you've moved into other directions in a school system uh, or school setting, uh, it there <laughs> there's no way they can't. You know, get an understanding of you or hear your voice when you wrote that line because it's yeah. like I I remember very well I was I was a, in um, I had been a, a soccer goalie coach I had been a, a theater sponsor I had been a, a, um, a yearbook sponsor and all these things and so you you connect with kids so not just I also was a history teacher and I like to have fun and do goofy simulations and all kinds of stuff like this through my classes. And, and it was like when I, in, and I became an assistant principal in the same building where I had been a teacher. And yeah. all of a sudden it was the strangest thing. It's like, I'd, it's like I'd been ripped away from this other world. And, uh, you know, it's, Hey, Mr. Blow, how are you doing today? Doing good. Right. You know, and right. uh, I had a, 
when I went to one at a different school, because I moved on to a bigger school um, where I got recruited to go to. And uh, when I was there one time, uh, uh, the, and at that school, I was one of the disciplinary. It was a very big high school in it. And there were two of us that did discipline for the whole building. And, uh, um, <laughs> and so the, the principal said, you know, when we have parent night, I expect both of you to be walking around and talking with parents just as much as the others because there were eight administrators in this building. And I, and I said to him, I said, they don't want to hear from me. And he's like, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just get out there and say hi and shake hands and stuff. Well, the first parent I walk up to, I said, hey, I'm Steve Maletto. And he says, hey, I don't think I know you. He goes, he goes, I'm so-and-so. And he, go, and he goes, what do you do? And I said, I'm assistant principal for discipline. He goes, I don't want to know you. He goes, I don't want to know if you know my kid. And he walked, even though he's laughing, he walked away from me. I went, nice. Right, <laughs> so, right, right. Anyway, this the different world. So I just, that line was perfect for connecting um, thoughts about uh, what you're thinking. So I thought that was yeah. neat. So yeah. they, uh, all right, so uh, let's move on. And right away, we're going to, so we're going to talk about uh, um, the first chapter. And I'm not going to do every chapter. Uh, you guys got to get the book. All right. I'm going to mm-hmm. do a couple of them. And the, and the first one's cool because um, it's called Hashtag Brand Reading, How to Leverage a Campaign in Your School Community and Attract Followers. All right. So what do you think of when you uh, think of a campaign? What is it you're, you're focused on? What's the thought behind that? A campaign is a, a version of a vision. You know, in education, we talk about the the importance of having a, a clear vision that all people are aware of so that, you know, communities can rally together towards similar goals. Um, and there's a lot that we can learn from, you know, PR work and advertising, you know, um, people in the in the advertising business as they create campaigns, because campaigns are designed to attract people um, and communicate vision in, in a certain way. And I think that, um, part of being a teacher and a leader is to make things attractive to community members so that they can partner with you in whatever the goals and the vision are of the work. Um, so I start by saying brand reading, um, because one of the first things that, um, you know, I worked with, with teams to do when we really began the reading culture building was to build a brand around reading, um, to make reading popular, to make reading attractive, and to make reading something that um, all people could connect to in a way that worked for them. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm not naive to think that in schools, be reading as being important is a new idea. I, I hope it's not. I don't think it is. I think people do value reading and that's not new. Um, but when we bring new energy to certain things, um, they can kind of feel new again and, and people feel excited about that. So when building a brand, um, you know, one of the things that you can do is create a logo or an image that soon becomes part of what people see in environmental print in your space. Um, so that's what we did. Um, and we created a hashtag um, or a slogan, you know, to go along with that um image and we called it um, hashtag LB reads because you know my school district is Long Beach and the image was a sandcastle um, with our district logo in the middle and some books around it and um, that starts to take on a life of its own so once that uh, hashtag LB reads was created with the image it started to pop up on bulletin boards and it started to pop up on people's email signatures and they were starting to write what they're currently reading. Um, We put currently reading signs outside of our classrooms and our office spaces and that logo was on the sign. And it becomes a visual reminder of what is prioritized in the district. Um, We are very visual people, right? We connect to images. And I think when people see something, that signals what's important. It's a reminder um, that they can participate in in the culture building. So that's part of how we launch our reading campaign with that image, that logo, along with, of course, sharing a clear vision for why reading is important um, and the goals of the reading culture building work. Um, And we also use technology to spread our messaging as well. So there's a lot of productive use of technology that we can use as educators, 
um, we embraced social media and we posted about our reading campaign on social media. We shared student work. Um, teachers would share, you know, displays in their classrooms and books that their kids were loving. Um, so we are really connected to technology, you know, literally at our fingertips, you know, through our phones. Um, and I did a lot of research about, you know, certain platforms that were popular among adults, popular among students. Um, and we use technology and social media in a productive way um, as a tool to help launch our reading campaign as a way to share the vision and invite people to participate in um, spreading the campaign and contributing to the culture. You know, I love this because, uh, first of all, you show you show some of these flyers and you, you show these different, uh, you have these different um, explanations and drawings and so forth, which makes it very understandable. You you actually explain in the beginning a little bit about the hashtag, which um, which I think is cool and uh, and which why people would really I think really kind of be excited about the fact of what you're doing, especially outside the school. They start a lot of people, a lot of people in industry and corporations, some of this, they understand hashtag stuff. So the mm -hmm. reason why you might be doing that. And I, I think it's uh, it's really cool how you're explaining it. So it, uh, I can, and I could see how it would really take off with um, teachers putting up, uh, you know, hashtag LB um, reading. Yeah. 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 And everything then gets filtered through the campaign. So flyers for parent events. Um, you know, we had a local pizza shop um, put a sign in their window and offer uh, students a free slice of pizza nice. on two different nights in a three, three hour window if they brought the book that they were reading in cool. or if the person behind the pizza counter said, uh, you know, tell me what book are you reading? And if, it, if the student was able to, they got a free slice of pizza. So nice. the, the campaign becomes a way to also connect. Um, so it's really cool when that starts to live outside of your school buildings and your community rallies around your campaign. Um, so it's a, a unifying factor as well. So much so. I love that. That's so cool. Hey, all right. So let's, let's move forward. Uh, chapter two, developing reading role models how to rally adults to explore their reading lives. And you start this chapter with this thought, school leaders cannot shift a school's culture alone. So why'd you start this way? I start with that because people are a school community's greatest asset. Um, and although as a administrator, you know, a district leader, a principal, um, someone in that type of leadership position, um, is ostensibly kind of in charge, right, of the management and the instructional work. Uh, leadership is really about rallying people together um, to work toward, you know, the vision that I mentioned in the campaign or, or whatever your priority work is. So I think to establish that, especially within the context of the second chapter, which is about rallying adults to reflect on their reading lives and to think about their relationship with reading and to really support the adults with this vision and mission around building reading culture is to acknowledge just how important the people are um, who you are working with to benefit the kids. Um, so you want to work with people to design culture in a way that um, establishes clear goals and um, a clear priority but also leaves a lot of space for people to discover themselves within the culture so that they could be the ones to carry out literacy events in, in ways that are meaningful to them. Um, so it's really a nod to just how important everybody is within the school community and to make people know that. You know, I think good leaders, um, the people who are in the, their community just know how important they are. That's, it's so good because that's, that's one of the things that, uh, you know, as a, as an adult working with kids right off the bat they're you, you know they whether you know it or not i mean it's they're paying attention to what you pay attention to and if you're paying attention to reading and it's something that's important to you and they notice that you read or you talk about reading and stuff like that that's that's a big deal and it's just like a parent with their children you know it's if if the parent's not reading at home and have nothing there and you know, in this day of age where everything's digi digitized just about and you, and you almost never have newspapers or something like that sitting around the house, then they, and they don't even have that. And if there are not books, that's a that's that's going to be rough right there. And so it's, you know, they, they 
it's so necessary for this uh, connection to me. I, I just really identify with this chapter because the, the idea of, uh, I love to read, and I, I always tried to find teachers when I was a principal who read, who, who had a, you know, and I, I don't mean just professional reading, all right? I mean being able to, to say that I also, I find, uh, you know, this fascinating about history as a history teacher, and I read this book and that book and this author, and I'm keeping up on this, but I also go over here and I read Stephen King or a Tom Clancy or, you know, you get the point. And, you know, it's, uh, um, and I think that's uh, important because the kids, uh, to me, it's just as important as, you know, it, it actually goes beyond the idea of just talking about it. They actually see that you got, you mean what you're saying. So Yeah. And one of the things I also mentioned in, in this chapter is, to also honor adults who may not be avid readers or people who want to read more than maybe their life, you know, enables them to at the moment, you know, reading takes time and people are busy. And and that could be part of a conversation with a student as well. You know, how at, you know, certain points, maybe adults are not, you know, so much into reading and why that is and how it takes time, right, to find things that you love and that you're interested in reading. Um, so I think, you know, wherever people are on, you know, the scale of reading, I think is important to acknowledge. And then they bring that to their kids and that becomes a conversation piece. It's, it makes it authentic. It sure does. I love that. I, I love that, especially because, you know, it's, it's one of the things you say is that it with adults, you know, hopefully you're reading, but then also over time, a lot of that might change a little bit. So like, sure. I'm a, I'm a sci-fi fan and, um, once I finish my doctorate, I'm like, I want to read Star Trek and Star Wars for a while. <laughs> and right, so I just right. it, just it engulfed myself in all this sort of stuff. And then and then as I start tiring of some of that, it's like it's time to read something a little more challenging, you know, whatever you want to call it. And and I started shifting to a couple, you know, some other writers like there's this, this um, writing um, to some uh, Preston and Child that uh, write these uh, kind of mis uh, mystery sort of um, problem things th that are going on that might have a monster or two somewhere along the lines. And, and, oh, okay. uh, <laughs> and uh, Lee Child, who does these, uh, um, these Jack Reacher books. And, and there's any number of other books I've reached out to that, uh, as well as I've taken on a few Stephen King ones, which uh, um, those were ones I'd look at and go, wow, that's a lot of words, you know? <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. Anymore now I see it as a, I'm going to do that. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it is sitting. It is sitting on my bookshelf right now, and it's going oh, to be okay. one of my next books. But it's a that's a biggie, man. <laughs> it is. That's a that's a big undertaking. Yes. <laughs> you need a nice vacation from school to to start that one. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, all right. So uh, you know, one of the things that I really like about your book is that you provide examples, reproducibles, questions for reflections, sample emails. I love those sample emails, by the way, and. And ideas that a teacher or school admin could put to use. In many cases, you're providing pictures of what you're talking about and sharing. I mean, your book is very user-friendly and practical. Could you talk about this? Sure. That's in response to feedback and conversations that I have with teachers all the time. You know, one of the most um, common things that I hear and that, you know, I talk about with teachers is, if they're going to have professional development, they want it to be useful, right? And even when we bring people into our schools to do trainings and such, we want it to be relevant. We want it to be applicable. We want it to be something that teachers can connect with and then, you know, make it work for the students that they're working with currently. And that is um, one of my, you know, foundational ideas when I develop professional de uh, development opportunities for, for teachers. I always want it to be relevant and applicable and useful. Um, so that that carried into the way that I wrote the book. Um, I think, you know, I wanted it to be a resource. I wrote, I wrote it similar to a how-to where people can read the words on the page, but um, also in as many ways as possible, see the work come to life. You know, so when designing the book, we put some of it into the book, like on the actual pages. And then a lot of it is on my website as well as on my social media platform so that people can take a look and really see what's happening, you know, in my school community that relates directly to each of the chapters in the book. So that that's why all of those resources and reproducibles and 
like you mentioned, the sample emails, because sometimes you can read about something, think about something, but it's just easier, you know, to see how, how somebody else has done it. And um, if the way that I chose to do it is a starting point for people, and of course they can make it, you know, into their personal style that, you know, that is, is the goal for um, why all of those resources are included. Love, Easy to use and accessible. <laughs> I love that. Love it. Love it. Love it. Good stuff. And that is so, and they are, I mean, they are very, uh, it really makes it all come to life as you see these examples. So um, kudos on that. I, you know, one of the, I, I have to choose my favorite chapter, all right? And uh, a lot of times I'll ask authors, I, I learned to stop asking authors that question because they say things like, oh, don't make me choose. That's like choosing which is my favorite child or something. And I go, no, 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 no. So, yeah. and, so I reversed it and decided I'm going to choose my favorite chapter. And, and my favorite chapter is chapter six, which is titled Partnering with Home and School, How to Engage Families and Caregivers in building reading culture. In this section, you share ways to involve families and reading events at the school, and I just love it. I really like the idea of a parent academy, and I can't not, and I can't forget to mention the idea of hosting a book tasting, <laughs> which I thought was cool. So uh, let's, let's talk about this chapter. Sure. Partnering with families is some of the most important work that we do as educators, right? Kids spend most of their time either at home or at school. Um, and the more that we work together, the better it is for, for kids. So this chapter is really dedicated to how we can partner and welcome families into building reading culture um, so that families are aware of the vision and the priority and to do um, what, what is possible at home to do to support the reading lives of kids. And one, one idea that is, is really, um, you know, woven into the entire chapter is, is to really honor and respect that all family identities and, and lifestyles are different. And, you know, one way that a family integrates reading or supports reading might be different from the person, you know, down the street or in the next town over. And to be very flexible and open and supportive as educators to help families find their way into supporting reading at home. And a conversation that I have with um, parents often is that parents don't have to be reading teachers, um, you know, and that I feel like there's a lot of pressure there, you know. Um, kids will learn to read in school and it's support, and if it's supported at home, that's wonderful. But just prioritizing reading at home, um, taking advantage of public library access, um, communicating with teachers maybe about books in the classroom library that could be taken home to read and reading with children, having children read to you, um, talking to kids about reading. Those are all ways that we can bring reading into the home and support what's happening in the classroom. Also, you know, everybody, like I said, everybody's home routine, life routine is different. So um, one of the things that we talk with families about is finding ways in your routine to build reading time in. So if an older sibling has to babysit uh, a younger sibling, maybe reading could be an activity that they do together. If uh, a family member has to go to the doctor, maybe reading can take place in the car or um, while waiting for the appointment to start. If a student is involved in a lot of activities after school, maybe the student can read you know, while going to that activity. And you mentioned the Parent Academy events. Those are events that we do welcome families to come into the school so that they, they can learn a little bit about the importance of reading and ways to integrate reading into the home that I just, um, that I just described. So uh, also in the chapter, I talk about ways to welcome and provide access to opportunities to participate within the school. So if you, we do invite families in, there are a lot of factors that are involved in the planning so that we, we make it as welcoming and accessible as possible. So for example, um, we might provide transportation from a, um, a, a central location within the community so that families can take a bus to um, the event that we're having in one of the schools. I've also hosted events uh, through the school districts at the public library 
which is very centrally located within the community so that families can walk, take public transportation, take their own car, just as many options as possible. Another factor that we consider is childcare. So sometimes it's difficult, you know, for families to come out at night. Again, life is busy, um, children in the home. So um, I've worked with high school students who, you know, need community service hours, or we have uh, adults in our school community that would provide childcare services so that um, parents can bring children to events. And if the event is just for the parent, we would provide childcare, you know, in the school at in the evening or after school when the event is going on so that the parent can attend and then the child is there with them, but, but being cared for. Um, we also send communication out in many ways, print communication, digital communication, um, in the languages that are within our community um, that people speak. So, you know, thinking about access and accessibility and honoring, you know, the different identities and lifestyles of families is a really important piece to designing um, culture building events uh, to invite families to partner with with the school. That's that's very cool. I, you know, any way to to do that sort of stuff is just it's just so cool because I, I, you know, a lot of times what happens, I understand. I mean, I, I've worked in schools where, and I myself, I had a a father who looked who worked multiple shifts um, during uh, different times, and during those days, it was hard for him to read, but he'd usually at some point, find some place in the house to read, and you'd find him falling asleep. But at the same time, he, you know, he made time for that. And one of the things when I was a young kid, though, I, you know, my parents bought me books, and they had, you know, I had relatives that bought me books and and things like that. And that's the importance of it. Just so, you know, magical. I think as far as a kid getting the book and having a reason to to look at it, read it, and I think you know sometimes. As adults, we just need a kind of a, you know, guidance in the right direction to get us going there. Yeah. Yeah. I think when you share the why behind, again, similar to what I had said earlier about the importance of reading in school, you know, that's not a new idea. But sometimes when you clearly articulate why, you know, reading is so important um, for for young people, for adults and, and how schools and families, you know, can work together to support that. Um, it, it makes a big difference. You know, sometimes we take for granted what we we know, but when we bring attention to it um, and nurture it, it, it lands a, a little bit differently. And one of the things I, I wanted to mention also just about access is um, even though, you know, thankfully uh, we're back in school, attending school in person, um, and, you know, the I guess the heart of the, the pandemic is over in terms of online learning for now, um, we we do still do some parent events virtually um, to increase access. So if uh, people cannot get to the school building or, you know, you mentioned parents working, um, they can always log into a Zoom presentation. Um, I've done virtual parent academies even, you know, in the recent years. And then we post those on, on the website um, so that families can access the information. That is so awesome because there's, you know, there's, just find different ways to, to make it possible that all they, all they yeah. need is the knowledge to know that it's there and that they can right. access it. And then, you know, that, that's good stuff. I love it. Uh, uh, what an awesome chapter. I love it. That's like I said, Thanks. my favorite one. Um, you, you know, so I got to, I want to ask you kind of a scenario question now, and it goes like this, you know, if you were the closing speaker at a conference and you were talking about your book, leading a culture of reading, uh, what is something that you would want the audience to remember when they leave your presentation, they walk out that door and they're thinking about that last thing you said. What's that thing? You can do this work. <laughs> I, I I would want people to feel motivated and inspired um, and to know the importance of, of the work of building a culture of reading. And even if reading is not the the prior the the sole priority the way that it's characterized in the book you can use reading as a way to build other initiatives in your school so you still can prioritize reading but also attend to maybe some of the other things that you want to work on as a school community so if they were to lead my leave you know a, a conference or a, a session 
from professional development. I, I would want them to find themselves in the work, believe that they can do it, and and know the the wonderful possibilities um, that it offers to kids. And as always, leave with tools to do so. <laughs> That's always my my goal. Very nice. Love it. Love it. Love it. All right. So if someone wanted to follow up and connect with you and or learn more, where would you send them? Sure. So people can visit my website to learn a bit more about me, um, LorraineMRadice.com. They also can go to my ex uh, profile and Instagram, also LorraineMRadice. You'll see a lot of the work that I that I speak of, um, you know, happening in real time. You know, I post from my school district the work of other teachers, um, so they can get some ideas there. Um, and through my website, they can send me an email, and I'm always happy to connect and talk more about this work. Excellent, love it, and I'll put information in the show notes so it's easy for uh, our listeners to find those that to find you. So good stuff. I, I, so I got two last questions that I like to ask my guests, and the first one goes like this. How do you keep going when so much is going on that you may want to quit? I think if if you keep kids at the center and really believe in the work that you want to do and you stay true to that, um, that helps you to keep going. You know, there there is a lot that, you know, in any profession that can feel discouraging or, you know, the work seems hard. Um, but you know, you, you mentioned the introduction earlier and I actually kind of jump to that in the introduction, just because I, I know how, how difficult building culture can be and, and how difficult and how challenging it, it can be to rally people in a, in a large community around one vision. Um, but even though something is challenging or difficult, um, very often those are the things that are most rewarding. Um, and if you believe in your messaging and you take risks and you're courageous and you really honor and value those early adopters who are going to support the vision and bring people on board, um, the, I, I really am a firm believer that it will, it will happen. So you just have to have a strong passion and a strong belief and be fearless in your messaging. Um, there have been many times where I have been a little insecure or worried that people might read my email or, um, you know, sit in a meeting with me and maybe feel like, you know, my pom-poms are a little too big. Um, and it's like, oh no, you know, another thing. Um, believe me, I, I still think that years in doing this work. Um, and some people might. And, and I think part of, you know, being a leader or somebody who wants to build culture or, or a vision around something that's important is you have to accept that, you know, but someone's pom-poms have to be big in school. And, and more often than not, people will appreciate that. And if you have a well-articulated vision and you have systems in place to support people and make them feel valued and make them feel part of the work um, and, and to really clearly articulate why something like reading or whatever it is that you're trying to do is important, um, if it's good for kids, it's good for kids. It's good for the school. Um, and you have to believe that. And something, you know, else to just keep in mind is this work is, um, a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's, it's a lot of reflection. It's a lot of kind of gauging where the people are in your school community. You talk with people, you get feedback, um, formally, informally, uh, and you use your judgment. You know, there are some times where, uh, you can really, you know, dig in and celebrate and have a reading culture event. And then you take a step back and you reflect and maybe you take a pause. And so it's, it's, it's definitely something that unfolds over time and it, it's malleable. It has to be right. A lot of things in education change. So if you remain flexible, but committed to what you're trying to do in terms of your reading culture building, um, you know, I, I don't doubt that it will be a success. That's awesome. I love that. I love that. Uh, last question here. Do you have a teacher in your past who made a difference in your life? If so, who was it? And what would you say if given the chance to say thank you? Uh, I have a lot of teachers that made, made an impact on me. Um, 
one kind of funny story when I was in high school, I'm not sure if this would ever happen now, but when I was in, uh, actually I was in junior high at the time, I was in the plays um, and during, you know, the week of the show, we would have rehearsal until 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, you know, at that time. And my science teacher knew that it was the show week and, um, you know, I had a, a pretty significant part in a play and she knew I was rehearsing and getting home late. And she called my house um, in the morning one day, like it was the day before the show was going to open. And she called like before school started and she said, and I answered the phone, uh, you know, my parents had gone to work already. And she said, you know, Lorraine, I, I just want to let you know, I know that you've been practicing all week and you're getting home late. And if you don't come in for second period today, I'll catch you up, you know, after the show. And again, I don't know if that would happen today or if that was the right or wrong thing to do as a teacher, but I never forgot that because one, she knew what I was doing after school, you know, and she knew that I was involved in the show and that's something, you know, kind of extracurricular about me, not just science related. And she cared enough. Um, you know, I guess I was a, a good enough student where I always did my work and I did the right thing. And she cared enough to just check in with me and say, hey, I know you're tired. Um, not that she was telling me not to come to school, but she was easing my maybe some anxiety about just having a lot going on. Um, so that's something that I always I always think about um, just as kind of a cool teacher moment. Um, that's an awesome story. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that because that is so cool because that's, you know, a lot of times adults go through their lives and, you know, whatever the kids are doing, they're doing. So it's like, you know, and I, I got to get my test in. I got to get this done. And, yeah. you know, where, where's Lorraine? She's not here. Well, if, you know, or whatever. And, you yeah. know, that's so I just felt cool. like just to think of me, you know, she knew what was going on. And again, I don't know if that was the right or wrong thing to do, but definitely was a very considerate thing to do as a teacher. Very much so. And I think that was the right thing to do. So I think that's cool. <laughs> that's awesome. I love it. Uh, L Lorraine, thank you so much for sharing your book, Leading a Culture of Reading, How to Ignite and Sustain a Love of Literacy in Your School Community. What an awesome focus. What a cool toolbox for creating a culture of reading. I love it. Love it. Love it. Uh, wishing you the best in all you do. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this opportunity. Um, and thanks for reading the book. Hey, you have been listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast to help you help kids achieve their dreams. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is a member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is a member of the podcast network based in Canada called Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right. The opinions expressed on Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Hey, thanks for listening. It would be awesome if you visited my website at stephenmaletto.com and connected with me, left a review, and listened to more episodes. And by the way, you could also share it with your friends, with your family, and uh, your colleagues. Thanks so much. You're awesome.